Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. <laughs> Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. some way you were so I confused just, for a second no when i just started up i, I knew instantly what it was because i just don't want to wait for this <laughs> life to be over <laughs> oh well, man welcome back everybody to death holler i'm the, your host reverend dr death playing pranks on me is my co-host <laughs> uh la urena uh, this is the second part of the april fool's day episode uh, this time we're going to discuss the funny parody uh, scary movie from 2000. Uh, tagline for this one is a killer comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is short, simple, but straight to the point. It, it, yeah, it, it works. Uh, directed by Keenan Ivory Wayans, written by Sean Wayans, Marlon Wayans, Buddy Johnson, Phil Bowman, Jason Friedberg, and Aaron Seltzer. Normally, when you get that many people writing a movie, it stinks. But I think that's with this being a comedy, I think that that is okay just because I feel like all those other writers were punching up each other's jokes, you know. Yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, folks, I'm already going to speak for the Reverend. This one's a winner. Uh, this movie stands the test of time. It's like one of the best. Uh, if, if you're easily offended and this movie triggers whatever, you know, agenda, you know, that you live your life by, then you can just go fuck off. Because, yeah, everyone gets um, attacked in this film. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, no one's safe. Everyone, everyone's attacked. It, it actually brings up cultural, uh, significant cultural issues. I mean, even with the, but it, it does it in a way, like we've talked about multiple times, you can have, a message in a movie if you do it in the, in a way that, you know, uh, doesn't treat the audience a like they're idiots, but also doesn't preach to them. And this movie does that. Cause I mean, there's so many times that the Wayans brothers, like in their brilliant comedies have done like uh, addressed like, you know, s social issues in the black community, especially that they do it in a way that delivers the message perfectly, but also gives you the comedy, enough comedy behind it to, you know, kind of like feel like you've not been preached at. So. You know, <clears throat> I, when I was watching this, and actually I forced um, Kayla to watch this uh, of Hot Mess she Express. never seen it before? She's never seen it before. Um, <laughs> and she was getting some good laughs. Now, <clears throat> Kayla's just horrible with watching movies. She wants to watch what she wants to watch. So she was kind of looking away, but I would draw her back in. Um, there was some definite social issues in this film that I was like, 
oh my god, can can you say that? And I was like, oh wait a second, they're black. the The ones who wrote these jokes are black. <laughs> I it, you, you forget that sometimes. It's it's done so well though. Yeah, and I mean it's. It's not the only movie they did that was so good at that. I mean, Don't Be a Menace, the South Central while drinking your juice in the hood is like one of the best like parody movies of all of those uh, like early to mid nineties, uh, you know, black films about like, you know, uh, living, you know, like, you know, and, and like some of the like ghetto communities and stuff like that around oh, the yeah. time. But I mean, it's, it's both of them deliver the message perfectly that you're trying to get across. But like I said, it's there's there, they, they stand test time on the comedy. Oh yeah. Uh, music in this movie is uh, by David uh, Kate. Uh, and here, here's the kicker folks made on a budget of $19 million U us. It made 278 million. That's insane. That's fucking wild. That is Scream numbers. This movie that was primarily a parody of Scream did as well at the box office as Scream. <laughs> so it did as good. It didn't surpass or make just under. Uh, it might. I mean, I didn't compare them directly. But yeah. I mean, because I think Scream might have been slightly lower on the budget side, but then like maybe made around the same number on the box office. But they're so comparable. Like, and I mean, there's a reason why both films got like multi you know movie franchises out of the the concept because the first movie right out the gate just did so friggin well yes um principal players in this movie anna ferris plays cindy campbell <laughs> um uh which is funny i mean her name it's uh you know not C sydney but cindy mm -hmm. but also taking nev campbell's last name uh, she plays the clueless final girl. She is the dumbest final girl that we will ever have in a movie, I'm pretty sure. And Anna Ferris, <laughs> she knows how to do it, man. <laughs> uh, in movies, uh, she, she consistently plays that character. She was in House Bunny. I love that movie. Uh, uh, this one's not really in her main wheelhouse, but Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> what? I've never heard of that. Uh, no, nobody's ever heard of that movie. Um. Uh, mom, she was in that TV show, uh, Overboard, the remake, which sucks, and it was agenda driven. That the, when it was in 2018, that's whenever movies started to get toward more of the message without the comedy to back it up. Uh, the hot chick, uh, she was in that, uh, and a movie called May, which I believe is if the one I'm thinking of, and I think it is, it's the the horror movie that came out in like the early 2000s. And then she was in uh, and, and four episodes of Friends. I bring that up because, you know, Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox connection. Uh, but she was also in another movie called Just Friends, which I believe is one of your favorite Christmas movies. Oh, my God. It is one of them. <laughs> and she plays like a Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera type in that. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, um, Samantha James. Yeah. She, definitely Anna Britney Ferris. Spears. Anna Ferris or Anna Ferris, because I think she's pretentious with it. Anna, um, she likes Anna. Uh, she she's weird. Like she can like really dress up and look kind of cute and kind of hot, but at the same time, like it, she dresses down so much in like these scary movies that she looks gross. <laughs> um, wow. And, <laughs> she does. She does. Like she's, and then you see her in like just friends and it's like, she's kind of hot in this. Like, I mean, I know she's like a, a miserable character, but like, 
it's just she's just one of those people that can do that. But my main issue I have with Anna Ferris is the fact that there's some major contention between she was married to Chris Pratt. Yes. Pretty pretty likable dude. Uh, unless you're one of the extremists on the other side and hate him because he's a Christian, but that's a whole other issue. And they broke up because I think she was cheating on him, even Ooh, though they were they were married. Girl. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've got issues with her over that. I mean, and, and I feel like her career kind of like stalled after all that stuff happened. And his has only just went up and, you know, up and up after that. Um. He's going to be in the Mario movie, by the way, coming up here soon. That yes. looks like that's going to do a ton of business. Um, but anyways, uh, she's hilarious. I mean, comedy props to her. She can she knows her stuff when it comes to comedies. Uh, we have Dave Sheridan playing Doofy Gilmore. Doofy. Uh, who is the killer? Dun, dun, dun. He's also a vacuuming enthusiast. Oh, gross. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Dave Sheridan was in Ghost World, uh, The Devil's Rejects, Victor Crowley, and actually tons of horror movies. Like, he, he's, he's a legit horror actor, which is hilarious, given the fact that he plays such a funny character in this. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, John Abrahams plays Bobby Prinz. Uh, you got to love that, you know, the... Yeah, Freddie Prince. Freddie Prince Jr. connection there. He's a slasher number one, uh, Sydney's or Cindy's, uh, I'm going to constantly, yeah. compare, you know, mess those two up, boyfriend, and, and and he's, I mean, it's revealed later, He he's gay, like he's just, he's, he's decided which way and good for him. <laughs> uh, doesn't need to kill people because of it, but, you know, that, that's good on him. Um, he was in a movie called Apparition, Come Back to Me, House of Wax, which we will be covering this season, uh, a movie called They, and The Faculty, which is a great horror movie yes. from the 90s. Um, okay, I probably recognize him from The Faculty because I recognize his face so much. And I'm like, and I know he had kind of the look of the, I don't know, early 2000s, I'm supposing, yeah, um, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, alternative rock look. I don't know, something. He looks like one of the lead singers. I think the lead singer of Lit. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, where do I remember this guy from? I couldn't think of it. I'm looking at the cast of the faculty right now. He's not any of the, he's not the main, he's not in the main cast. He's not in the main cast. Yeah. I think he might have been like a side character, might like maybe one of the sports team members that like gets killed like early on or something maybe. or converted, you know, whatever. So I don't know. Um, I recognize him. And like I said, maybe it, it could just be that he looks like the lead singer of Lit from back in the day. But, you know, I don't know. I just find it funny because, uh, you know, we talked about it when we were, you know, reviewing Scream, you know, um, uh, Skeet Ulrich. Uh, played, you know, like he had that look about him, kind of a white trash Johnny Depp like yes. look to him. And, and Bobby they play that. I mean, then they saw the same thing because they play Bobby Prince as like total white trash. You know, what's like, funny is I didn't think that Billy was white trash until you told me that he was white trash. <laughs> he's got a look about him that just like he's got that ratty look, but but he but but Skeet is able to pull it off because I mean he's also got those brooding you know good looks or whatever. Yeah, like this guy just leaned more into the the white trash of it all. Oh know? yeah. 
Uh, we have Sean Wayans playing Ray Wilkins, uh, slasher number two. He's he's just a little closeted. <laughs> just a tiny bit. Uh, and he was, of course, he's with his brother, Marlon, and a ton of stuff. White Chicks, Don't Be a Menace, Little Man, The Wayan Brothers, TV show, In Living Color with his other, with Damon and Kenan Ivory. Like, that was a whole Wayan's brother affair back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, very good comedy show, by the way. Yes. Like, uh, a lot of good uh, skits came out of that. Uh, Jim Carrey got his career based upon that show. Jennifer Kenny for Lopez. Uh, <laughs> God, who else? I mean, a lot of people real honestly did. Yeah, it was a it was a good uh, springboard for a lot of these actors to uh, make a name for themselves. Like later on, because I think that I want to say it was late '80s, early '90s when that was in its heyday, and then like after that, everybody on that show seemed to really, you know, go yeah. on to do something. You know bigger. what's funny about that is Jennifer Lopez didn't even act; she was a fly girl. <laughs> that is true, and not she was like basically an outstanding there for looks one. and their dancing. Yeah. And then she got uh, got up with Ben Affleck, and I don't know. I feel like his career went off a cliff after that. But, I mean, he's still out there doing things. He's alive. <laughs> uh, we have Marlon Wayans playing Shorty Meeks, who is the stoner parody of Randy. It's funny obviously. how the Meeks in this are both black, and then the Meeks in the newer Scream films are New half. Scream. I thought the same thing. I was like... I w- it's almost like Scream is copying Scary Movie at this point. Oh, yeah. They're, pre- they're pretty much just in bed with each other. I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's actually been in a couple of uh, other things besides his brother's stuff or whatever. He was in The Curse of Bridge Hollow. Uh, he was in his own TV series just called Marlin. Uh, he was in Fifty Shades of Black, oh which is God. a parody movie. Uh, and then he was in a haunted house one and two, which are like parody movies of like the paranormal activity stuff. Hmm. I didn't even know uh, about those. Yeah, they're they're interesting. They're not as good as the scary movie. They, they at times they they have a few jokes that land, but then overall they're just not as good. Uh, we have Regina Hall playing Brenda Meeks, uh, uh, Cindy's friend, uh, half sister to Shorty. Okay, hold on. Uh, Before you even continue, Brenda is not a typical black girl's name, which is so funny. One. No. Two, there was the whole your mama, your daddy joke between her and her half-brother that you just mentioned. And she's like, I don't care. I don't even know him. Yeah, because he, he's like, your mama. She's like, oh, we share the same mama. And he's like, well, your daddy. And then she's like, I don't even know him. Joke's yeah. on you. And he's like, I don't, do, I don't know mine either. And it's like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's it's them like leaning into that comedy of of all that stuff i yeah. mean you know it's uh, it it just works uh she was in the hate you give which is actually i mean the book and the movie are fairly good i mean i know that there's some the movie i feel like leaned a little bit more into the the messaging than the, than the book did i mean both of them you know, they, they have a purpose and they're actually really good at what they're trying to talk about, like police violence and like, you know, black communities or whatever. But, uh, but they, they're, they're both good. And then like about last night in a superhero movie, which is another one of those offshoots that this movie kind of started. Oh my I mean, God. you had like not another <clears throat> teen movie, superhero movie. You had, you know, um, uh, the romance movie that had Allison Hannigan in it. I mean, like they all like, kind of branched out from this. Yeah. Uh, you have Sherry O'Terry playing Gail Hellstorm. 
who is a reporter, a parody of Gail Weathers, and she's not afraid to go undercover if you catch my mm-hmm. drift for the scoop. Oh, my God. <laughs> that scene, though, where she's, like, sucking on Doofy's finger and then she Le- gets that face. And knowing the fact that he sticks that finger in, Up his butt. You know, in his butt, like, you're just, oh, my God. Lots of fingers and butts in this movie, guys. Be ready. Yes. Yeah, lots of them. That scene where they're driving down the road in the car and the and the parody going back to uh, I know what you did last summer, and then uh, the one guy's in the back and like uh, let's see, uh, with, uh, Craig or whatever, uh, not not Craig. Like, anyways, I'll get to his name here in a minute, but he's the blonde jock in the movie. Like, he's like uh, he's like uh, oh, I like that. Whatever you play with my butt, baby, or whatever. And it's like it turns out it's Ray. Yeah, and it's got that plopping sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of innuendo in this. Um anyway, she was in Southland Tales, which is it's an interesting movie from the director of Donnie Darko, but it's not as good as that movie. And then of course she's known primarily for her roles on SNL, like the cheerleader that she played opposite Will Farrell and yeah. some other characters like that. Oh my god. Uh James Vanderbeek. Uh, pops in this movie playing Dawson Leary Uh, it's uncredited it's a a Cotton Weary parody and it's one of the funniest things to me in this movie oh my god that was so funny that scene between uh, Bobby and uh, Cindy and and they start playing the I don't want to wait and then then he just pops in the window and he's like wrong set set. (laughs) I wonder how much they paid him I don't know, but it's hilarious because the yeah, you like we talked about in Scream, the guy who wrote the Scream and and I know what you did last summer movies was also the guy who primarily was the writer showrunner for Dawson's Creek. So the fact that they tied that in as the joke, yeah, it just that's my favorite one of my favorite things in this movie. Uh, but yeah, they probably paid him quite a bit just to pop up to to say that. Uh, we have David L. Lander playing Principal Squiggy Squigman who is a parody of Principal Henry, uh, you know, where we had the Fonz, basically, you know, Henry Winkler is the the principal in, in Scream. We had yeah. to go back to another old sitcom staple, and we got Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley for this one. Oh, my God. Uh, Craig Ruhansky plays David Keegan. He's the roadside victim. <laughs> a parody of and a parody of Ben Willis from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, he was in the Alone in the Dark remake in 2005. I just thought that character's hilarious because he keeps getting up and he keeps saying, it's like, I'm fine guys. I'm fine. And then they're not paying attention to him whatsoever. And they keep like knocking him out again. (laughs) It was perfect. Uh, Carmen Electra plays Drew Becker, who is our first ghost face victim. And she's the town hoe. (laughs) She's literally been with everybody. Um, She was in a singled out, uh, good burger, epic movie. That's another one of those offshoots. Oh yeah. Uh, she was super hot in that movie too. She played like the queen and the spark, the the uh, three hundred, uh, you know, parody or whatever. Um, she was also in Meet the Spartans, uh, disaster movie, date movie, and then the Baywatch TV series. Uh, she was Prince's girlfriend too, and he makes a fake cameo in this. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, well, she was. Uh, she, I, I think she was tied to him too. But the funny thing was, is that uh, she was also dating Dennis Rodman or oh, married, God, to him, married I think, to him for a time. Mm-hmm. And then that's one of the funniest references of the movie because the ghost face is like, uh, 
you know, uh, we, you know, we, we, your boyfriend likes to wear makeup and, and dress in women's clothing. And then like, she looks outside and she's like, she's like, that's not my boyfriend. I fucked him a few times, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> Oh my God. <clears throat> I'm glad she could lead into that knowing that in real life. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that was said about hers. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a good choice. Although Dennis Rodman would have been funny. Uh, it was a good choice because, uh, you know, he, he made her, he gave her the last name Electra. So, you know, for her stage name, if you will. Yeah, that is true. I, now that you mentioned it, I do remember hearing that at one point in time. Yeah, He did that to a lot of women that have made it big though, that he did. <laughs> um also it's funny because she as we said during the trivia during the scream movies uh coverage that carmen Electra was she just narrowly missed being in like two or three different scream movies like back to back yeah she was like supposed to be in the stab versions of the scream movies like several times over um and it's just interesting to see her in this do you feel at this point we need a stab movie I feel, like we need a, I feel like we need an actual stab movie now. Uh, kind of, but I kind of feel like Scary Movie fills that role <laughs> well enough. I love it. Uh, uh, and also, uh, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact in this movie, like, I mean, you know, we talk, even though we don't, the, the, well, I'll get to that in the Death Hall Awards. The the boobs that we do get to see oh. are not <laughs> boobs that I would want to see. Uh, They're just not real. W- <laughs> We get uh, we get at least Carmen Electra's. I mean, there's that great joke where she gets stabbed in the boob, and like yes. you know, it's the silicon. But like that whole scene that they really leaned into with her running through the you know the sprinklers. That was and like, so good. You know, that it's good stuff, guys. It's good stuff. It's good stuff, and she's wearing a thong, so you you do get that. Yeah, yeah, and she's not the only like looker in this movie. We got Shannon Elizabeth coming up here in a second. I mm-hmm. mean, for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, Lachlan Monroe uh, plays the dumb jock with little problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's dirty. Uh, he he was actually in Riverdale opposite Skeet Ulrich, which is hilarious. Um, you know, later on, yeah, uh, uh, it was in Unforgiven, and he was also in White Chicks with <laughs> Sean and Marlon Wayans. Uh, we have Babe Dolan who plays Cindy's grandma, who's at the in the wrong place at the wrong time. She is. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth plays Buffy Gilmore. Uh, don't know why she would have had the name Buffy whenever she's uh, just a, a you know a narcissistic bitch. Basically, I mean that has nothing to do with maybe the fact that you know Sarah Michelle Gellar was painted that way. Wow, uh, at least in the screen movies. <clears throat> uh, but she was obviously you know uh, was it Nadia? I Nadia, believe, yeah. In, uh, American Pie. Uh, she was in Jay, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, and oh my God, there's some good scenes of women in that movie. Uh, Laser Suit Larry, Box Office Bust, who uh, which also had Carmen Electra in it. That's a video game. Uh, she was in Tomcats opposite, um, uh, uh, I can't even remember his name now, Jerry O'Connell, uh, which is hilarious because he was also in Scream 2. And then she was in Cursed, which is actually a uh, movie from... Uh, Wes Craven, and then she was in the Night of the Demons remake in 2009, which isn't bad for a remake, and then, of course, we covered her in 13 Ghosts, and then she was also in, the I think, one of her first appearances in a movie, period, was in that terrible, terrible Jack Frost movie. Not the one with Michael Keaton. That's bad in its own way, but the other one about the the evil uh, snowman. snowman that tries to kill you. Um. 
but anyways, um, so it, it's it's nice having Shannon Elizabeth in this movie. I mean, because it she it, she's kind of I mean she was kind of the it girl at that time anyways yeah. because for American Pie breakout success, but then like also I mean she I mean added to you know they they wanted attractive women in this movie and that that you know that's one that you I mean definitely of the time period she was definitely a good hire for that. We have uh, Peter Hanlon playing the suicidal teacher. Uh, he won't back down from a challenge. <laughs> Jesus. What do you think about that scene in the movie, by the way? When I first saw it years ago, I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, I couldn't even laugh about it. I was like, I, I was genuinely shocked. And now I'm just like. <laughs> it's just funny because that, that one scene hmm. is the most annoying scene. And I know what you did last summer with Jennifer Love huge tits, which, by the way, props to this movie. They call her that. Yes. Um, but, like, when she walks out and she's like what are you waiting for? Whatever is like, or, you know, whatever line she has, like when they, they, and, but the, I mean, that's one of the worst scenes in that movie. Yeah. And, mimic in this, and, and then the guy kills himself. He's yeah. like, fuck you, bitch. And he just like jumps. Just goes. So. Oh my God. Uh, we have Andrea Nemeth playing Heather, who is the class nerd and a goody two shoes and very annoying. Yes. Uh, Marissa Jarrett, uh, Winokur playing Tina, who's a little too much to handle. Uh, and then uh, Trevor Roberts playing Dookie, who's the, uh, and I say a little too much to handle because that's, you know, she busts the actual garage door opener, if you remember, like whenever like, Ghostface tries to like. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, <laughs> she was the, she was the slightly thicker one. A slightly thicker, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then his head turned when she tries to go through the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we serious right now? Are we really doing this? Um, and we have, and rounding out the, the cast of people who will be killed, at least, we have uh, Trevor Roberts playing Dookie, who is one of the few named stoners in the movie. Uh, he was in Hellstrom, Once Upon a Time, and Altered Carbon, amongst other movies. So, synopsis. A parody of both I Know What You Did Last Summer and Scream with John ref- references to all of all kinds thrown into the mix. This film is a relic from a bygone time when strange little thing called comedy actually existed and people could actually laugh at things without being preached to and canceled. What is that? <laughs> Sexual innuendo and meta-commentary abounds. Alphabet people are represented, but probably in a way they don't like. And Ghostface shows off his rapping skills. Uh, obey the rules or die laughing. <laughs> And um, you know what I'm talking about with the alphabet people comment because mm-hmm. there is uh, <clears throat> a principal called Mrs. Mann um, who gets a death holler award all of her own. So we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, body count in this movie, 21. That's respectable. Oh, yeah. That's that's counted. 22 not counted. So we have David Keegan who's ran over here on the head repeatedly. Uh, Drew Decker, who stabbed, uh, including her implants, uh, by <laughs> Ghostface. Uh, the first one was an accident, but this one was actually by Ghostface. We have an unknown teen who's shot in the chest by Gail Hellstorm because he is ruining her TV spot, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Greg Philippe, uh, who has his throat slit by Ghostface. Uh, Grandma, who is crushed by piano uh, by Cindy Campbell herself. Uh, Buffy Gilmore is decapitated, but I don't know. I don't know if you count her death because she does it technically even after she's decapitated. Stop talking. Oh God! 
we have the suicidal teacher uh, who's jumped off the uh, who jumps off the high school roof. That's a suicide though, but it's, it's kind of Sydney's fault. Yeah, Sydney's. Uh, Heather's boyfriend, um, unknown, he's killed off screen by Ghostface. Heather herself is stabbed by Ghostface. Um, we have Kenny, who uh, the uh, guy who's the cameraman, uh, he's killed off screen by Ghostface as Gail Hellstorm runs away and then has the uh, uh, scene from um, Blair Witch where she's got the snot running out of her nose <laughs> and a lot of it too. Uh, we have Brenda Meeks, uh, or who is stabbed and has her throat slashed by the cinema crowd, not Ghostface. Yeah. He just sits and watches, which is hilarious. Which, that um, was a scary movie, too. Not scary movie, too. That was Scream 2. That was scary, or uh, Scream 2. Yeah, yeah so yeah. They, this was after both of those films had already popped out, so... Yeah, they came out like one after the other, and then like this, and they and I feel like they added that scene in really quick because this came out in two thousand. I want to say that no, wait a minute, Scream had come out in ninety six, so yeah, there was time for Scream two to came out before this, so that's right. And I'm sorry, but uh, Brenda Meeks de- definitely deserved to go the way she went. I too would be one of the people stabbing her in the cinema. Oh God, she did everything that was. I mean, it's both a stereotype of you know like that you know specific character i'll say it black women not shutting up in theaters (laughs) yeah well but not even that like getting on her phone like calling oh yeah movie screen telling people to shut up and actually it's not just black women i think fucking latinas will do it too any woman with an attitude (laughs) but usually of a more ethnical race than fucking white so yeah, white girls, whenever they watch any kind of movie like that, I mean, like a scary movie in particular, they're the ones that are always screaming the highest. Squilling, screaming, the yeah. So that's how they're <laughs> annoying, but it's appropriate. You know? <laughs> Mexican girls like me, I'll be like, oh, fuck no. Oh, fuck that. Just run. Why are you running? Why aren't you going? You know? See, I always thought this was a stereotype because I'd seen movies like, you know, Scary Movie and all that stuff and I heard about it for years. Like they made, you know, it was a back when comedy was a thing and comedians existed, they used to point this out. Um, but I went and watched, uh, and I don't remember when it came out, but like the uh, Land of the Dead from George Romero. Yeah. And, like, and, and there was... Uh, some uh, and there was and there was it was a mixed audience and like there was a few black people like pacing in front of the the actual screen and doing that whole thing and actually it didn't detract from the movie it was actually hilarious because like there'd be a scene where somebody's it's like oh no you didn't I know you didn't just walk in there yeah you know, like that that whole thing and I'm like it's apparently a thing it so. is 100 a thing um <laughs> if you want to have a real good time and you're watching a real scary movie uh sit next to me and my daughter well you will catch us laughing at death so <laughs> but anyways it is well deserved by the cinema crowd mm-hmm. and then uh, Ghostface just sits and enjoys it while he's eating the popcorn yeah that's left over uh we have tina who's crushed by an automatic garage door uh but she crushes it first <laughs> Uh, we have Dookie who slashed to death, a stoner who slashed to death, another stoner, another stoner, another stoner, another stoner. They're all like, but it's in quick succession while uh, Ghostface is rapping. So oh, yeah. Uh, we have Shorty Meeks who is shot by Bobby Prince. We have Bobby Prince who is stabbed by Ray. We have Ray who is stabbed by another Ghostface uh, who turns out to be Doofy. And then we have Cindy Campbell, who's hit by a car at the end of the movie, which is just pure coincidence that she gets hit, but she's stupid and walks out in the middle of the street, so yeah. it's kind of her fault anyways. Uh, quotes uh, in this movie. 
Cindy, I thought you loved me, Bobby. Oh, I did, baby. I did. But being in abstinence makes you wonder new things about yourself. That's right, Cindy. I'm gay. And in case you haven't noticed, so is gay. And Ray's like, what? I ain't gay. Bobby's like, what are you talking about? You took me to that club. Ray's like, so? They play good music. Bobby, what about our trip to San Francisco? Ray, I wanted to go shopping. Bobby, on the verge of tears, but you made love to me. Ray, first of all, you suck my and then cut off Bobby, whatever. And Cindy's like, we have to call it. And then that's the end of that scene. I just find, find that hilarious, <laughs> you know, that they're going back and forth amongst all that. Oh, my God. <laughs> So fucking gross. Uh, and Ray uh, is, by the way, very gay. <laughs> uh, yes, that whole scene where he's got Brenda there and he makes her dress up and, oh, he, yeah. he call, and calls her Brandon, says, uh, take it, Brandon, take it. And she's like, what the fuck? He's like, you know, he's just going back and forth. Uh he and he's and he also carries it over the second movie, which I love. Like he they don't leave that character mm-hmm. arc behind for him. <laughs> Because he shows up in the dress that looks just like Cindy's. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> he also makes Brenda dress up that. in the football gear, too. Yeah. Uh, this inter, this interchange is another. This is proof that Ray is, is lying when he says he's not gay. Uh, Cindy, we have to call the police. Ray, no way I ain't going to jail. And Greg's like, he's right, Cindy. Do you know what they do to young boys in prison? All those sex-starved convicts just waiting for a fresh piece of meat. And then Ray's like, hey, Cindy's right. Maybe we should call the police. <laughs> That's a good joke, guys. Yeah. That, 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 there's, a, there's a lot to that. Um, the scene with Buffy. Uh, hey, do you think the press is going to want to talk to us? Brenda, oh, please. The press only want to interview the most ignorant person they find. And then it cuts to Shorty, yeah. you know, who's talking to Gail about Drew Decker's uh, uh, death or whatever. Uh Shorty, I'm on TV. Oh shit! First cops now this. I'm gonna be a star, son. And then Gail's like, "So how close were you to the victim?" Shorty's like, "Oh, real close. Right until the roofies wore uh, off and she woke up. And then she was all talking about pressing charges. So I just pulled my tongue out her ass and left." <laughs> and then, there you go, more butt stuff. And then Gail's like, "If you could have spoken to her before she died, what would your last words to her be?" And then Shorty, "Run, bitch, run." <laughs> it's so true. That's what you see on the news. <laughs> that is true. I wonder if this that was is... before hide your kids, hide your wife. Uh, I think it was because I don't feel like that became popular until after that. Yeah. Also, I mean, that right there shows, I mean, that it's got a lot of good cultural stuff built into it because they're pointing out that only the most ignorant and then it goes across the board. Cause whenever there's any kind of like tornado that's ran through, let me tell you, they pick the, the you know, the, the most ignorant white trash hillbilly they can find that come out there. It's like, yeah, well you just stand there. And uh, I just reckon it just came, took the whole thing away. I, I, you know, like that, that never fails. They always pick the dumbest person for that sort of stuff. You will never expect it to happen in this here neighborhood. Wait, well, you just said uh, nothing like that ever happens around here. I just, I swear to God, like, I don't, I just don't understand it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an act of God, so. <laughs> but it's, it's a good cultural, you know, thing that they brought into that. I mean, saying in their own community, like they never get like the, the representation of the, you know, the other, you know, part of their, you know, uh, of the black community. They only get like the most ignorant ones that, you know, on the media, which yeah. is a good point, you know? <laughs> Uh, this one I love because this ties back into that actor we talked about, the ferryman from uh, from April Fool's. Uh, homeless man, you got a dollar? Buffy Gilmore's like, get away from me, you bum. And then after she just got through saying that she was all about helping people. Oh, yeah. By the way. 
And then Cindy Campbell's like, Buffy, can't you see he's hungry? Here you go, sir, a nice sandwich. And the homeless man takes it and throws the, the sandwich back at her. He said, and he says, I said a dollar, bitch. I want to know, because that sandwich, it was a big sandwich. It had some heft to it. I wonder what that felt like hitting her back. It had to feel at least a little bit like a hand slap. Uh, it, it had to have. I mean, it was. I he mean, fucking it was chucked a, it at her, too. Yeah, I mean, and, and and she plays it so well, like the look in her face, like she's so like taken back and just like surprised by the fact that he would do that. Um, and then uh, this scene to finish up some of that, because this whole movie is quotable, but uh, just I picked through some of the ones that I like. So the killer, and this is him rapping. I'm going to slash and gash, cut another hole in your ass. I spill blood on the walls and play tennis with your balls. <laughs> If the phone rings, don't answer the call. Going to slit your throat, fuck you like a goat, peel your foreskin off and make you a winter coat. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Camera co- pulls away to reveal all of the shorty's friends are dead. And he just see, he looks around and he's like, yo, that was the illest rhyme I ever seen. <laughs> Fucking shorty. Uh, Marlon Wayans is a gift. Like he's just, he's hilarious. I mean, I know his brother, Sean, has to play more of the straight man. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Even though he's, you know, but anyways, like Marlon always gets the best jokes in these movies just because of it. Um, what do you think of this movie visually? I mean, they, for, I gotta say for a parody movie, they do a damn good job. Yeah. uh, They, okay. Well, here's what it comes down to. They, the scenes were set up for them. They took the movies. They said, here's the clips that we want to include in this movie. Someone wrote a script paired them together, so all they had to do was shoot it, film it, and make it look good. And so they had that going for them. I, I'm i just saying is I think that probably contributed to this looking as amazing as it, as it did. That's true. I mean, they had stuff to work off of, um, but I do have to say that even on, like, the scenes, like, that whole scene with Shannon Elizabeth's decapitated head, we talked about funny that decapitated heads keep coming back up on this, but, like, I mean, that were. I know there was CGI involved in that, but it didn't look too bad. I mm-hmm. mean, like you know, because she kept talking, even though like her body was bent, you know, yeah. digitally removed and all that. So. Yeah, no, no, they did an amazing job. Like I said, they just had a little bit of assistance, so I just would like to think that it contributed. But um, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of uh, not so much heavy lifting because really, this movie itself, they did their own heavy lifting with the jokes. They didn't have those in the other movies, you know. No, they just pointed out, like, I mean, they, they exaggerated. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, one thing, one thing that's been brought <clears> up on TikTok recently is the fact that, you know, a lot of people, like, why is Cindy in this movie got that stupid ass, like, waving her hands and, like, running away like a dipshit <laughs> after she talks to Bobby? But you go back and watch, and they've compared it, and, I mean, it's it's there. You watch the original Screams, uh, you know, uh, Nev Campbell did something not as pronounced, obviously, yeah. but it, very similar when she runs away from Skeet Ulrich's, you know, character in that Didn't movie. Didn't you send me a TikTok the, of that? What's that? Didn't you send me a TikTok of that? I did. I did. Yeah. It's comparing the two of them. It's it's, pretty, it's pretty close. uh, They do that. They take fun of the, you know, you know, Tate or whatever, you know, like um, Rose McGowan's character in the movie. She's like, oh no, Mr. Ghostface, Ghostface, don't kill me. I want to be in the sequel. They take that and like put it on the Buffy Gilmore's character. And she's like, oh, what are you going to do now? Are you going to cut me? And, you know, like, and then she, I mean, they just exaggerate like everything that was in that previous movie to like the nth degree, basically. Yeah. 
Um, and it, but it works. I mean, it's, you know, it, 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 it goes along with it, but I got to say, as far as the visuals, it's, it's got a very, I mean, they, the, it's, this doesn't look cheap. I mean, even for 19 million, it's got that theatrical look to it. The lighting is great. Oh, yeah. I mean, the colors are great in the movie. They're vibrant. Um, yeah, very vibrant. I mean, uh, the only thing that looks janky, but it works because it's, you know, I mean, given the time period, because it's supposed to is all that matrix shit toward the end of the movie. You oh know, like yeah. Where, where Cindy is like doing like the, uh, the Irish jig or whatever in midair, basically, you know. Oh, God. And... <laughs> but it's meant but it... to be somewhat janky. Everything else looked so good, you know. Uh, they had yeah. to definitely throw some cheese into it. Uh, fuck, what else was I going to say? I kind of lost. Oh, well, anyways, I'll move on. I lost my thought. Yeah, you'll probably think about it. What What about the ghost face mask? Oh, my God. Uh, I, the best thing about this ghost face mask is it wasn't just one look the whole movie. <laughs> it had character. It actually had emotion. Yeah, it changes in the, the one scene where it's stoned and it's yeah. got, like, you know, the, the tongue sticking yes. out in one scene. Like, I love that. Um, I, okay, so I did remember what I wanted to say visually. Um, there wasn't a lot of blood in the film, and, and you could tell that, like, the stabs were fake and things like that, but, like, it still, it still was good, like, because it gets the point across, you know? Yeah, the, the, unlike Scream 6, which this is a spoiler, I mean, we're not, I mean, that's not what this, what I'm mentioning, I'm just saying that the stabs in that are brutal. Yes. Like, that's the best thing about that movie. Um, <clears throat> This movie did the opposite way, and I guess they went that way for comedy effects. Mm-hmm. It's like they, you know, the the the. I mean, there's times when Ghostface will like kill somebody, especially that scene with Buffy's character when he's killing her, and he's just kind of like looking at her, like, "What the fuck's wrong with yeah. you?" You know, like you know, it, it goes the opposite route with Ghostface. It, it it plays up how clumsy he is, you know, like it, but also in the kills, like they're it's like he's pulling punches just for the comedy of it. Oh yeah, especially when he's like playing. Well, when he's <laughs> hiding behind the couch. From Cindy, you can't find me. And his little feet she's, are like. She's like, you're behind the couch. And he's like, what? And he looks and he's like, oh, fuck. And it's know? so funny because it's like he looks at the phone like, how did you know? Like the the, the guy who's playing the character is doing an amazing job at, of emoting even when the mask isn't emoting. Yeah, that let's just skip ahead to the acting portion of it. Uh, that the guy who's playing Ghostface in this, and I didn't, I didn't look to see if there was multiple people, but that guy has got the. I mean, he is a great mm-hmm. comedic, a physical actor because you can't really see anything with his face, obviously. Yeah. But just every other thing that he does as Ghostface is hilarious. Yeah, um, I would say my favorite <laughs> part. We almost, <laughs> you know, we reviewed so many ghost films. We, you know, what we didn't do. And I'm so sad now. I literally just thought about this a second. We didn't have a special award for the best ghost face fall. <laughs> we didn't. I didn't even think about that. that uh, you know, there's so <laughs> many of them. Of course, you know, it gets kind of old. I'm sure we could go look up a YouTube video. But the one where he's uh, he, where he's hiding from, quotation mark, hiding from uh, Cindy. And he gets behind the curtain and then he's like, then he starts chasing her and he fucking just falls and i'm like was that natural because it looked so good this is when he had Um, the hook in his hand 
Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say about that is that Cody made the suggestion. I've not brought it up to you, but it's actually not a bad one. We could do like a overall, like a, you know, death holler Academy awards for like the slasher season, like where we bring up little things like that. And that mm-hmm. could be one of them, like, you know, go back and revisit for Ghostface which one had the best fall because they all fall at some point. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Dramatically fall. <laughs> I think we need to do that. I mean, that could be definitely for that, you know, movie that could be the best thing for that one but yeah uh he definitely had the dramatic falls it's just this one was so noticeable to me that i was like did he like because he was coming out of the curtain and he tripped over the curtain so i'm like was that real yeah you you, i mean that was very well acted because you don't really get the the hint that it was like Mm -hmm. you know just a part of the movie i mean from that scene yeah so so he he was amazing that actor (laughs) Um, the story can't really say much about it because they literally throw everything in the kitchen sink into this movie, which makes it hilarious. Yeah. But at the same time, it's scattershot. I, I mean, think they, well, I'll say this. I think they stitched them together pretty good with comedic storylines. They did. And, and it's funny. They did a, I will give them this. They taking the basic plot of, and I know what you did last summer and mm-hmm. scream and putting them all together in one movie. It, it actually kind of makes you question how, how you know, you're feeling. I mean, I, I still think he's a good writer, a good horror writer, but like Williamson that, that wrote both of those, it's like for these to be so easily stitched together, it's like almost like, okay, when you came out with I Know What You Did Last Summer, that was, I mean, uh, the, it's kind of, it almost cheapens the plot of that movie a little bit just because it was so easily tied into screen. Um, I just thought of something. Did how uh, are, okay? I know what you did last summer and Scream, Paramount movies. Uh, yes. Okay, scary movie is Paramount. Uh, I don't remember on that to be perfectly honest. Okay, um, I- I'm gonna look that up. The reason I ask is, how did they get the ability to use the ghost face mask? Well, that's interesting because I recently found this out. So the reason that the ghost face scream was almost a house at HHN. What? Wait, scream. Yes. Not, not like recently. I was thinking scary movie. Sorry. That's why I freaked out. But yeah, that would make sense. Okay, go ahead. So scream was, yeah. Uh, So scream, uh, you know, the, the problem with scream is the reason they couldn't work it out. And they ended up changing it to like a purge knockoff or, well, it was the purge, but they, you know, it was just quick thrown together it's because paramount owns and that's who they had the agreement with initially owns all the scream names and likenesses and all that but the one thing they don't own is Ghostface because that is owned by the company that still makes that halloween outfit okay and so the rights to Ghostface actually belong primarily with that halloween costume company okay perfect <laughs> So I'm one, so I'm thinking for this movie they got the rights from that company to do Ghostface and they didn't even have to go I don't even know if they had to go through Paramount other than maybe you know because uh, it was a parody as long as they paid for the primary like Ghostface look from the you know that from the main company that did the you know that made the Halloween costume. Yeah. Um okay, so scary movie um it says Dimension Films. I think they mean... That was Weinstein. So that was also... they. That would have been through the same people that made Scream, technically. Okay. They might not have went through Paramount for d- distribution. I don't mm-hmm. know if they did, but Dimension Films is part of Weinstein's overall company. Yeah, and then production company, it's Wayne's Brothers. But, 
that's yeah. Not so they they probably worked some kind of deal out with the Weinstein's to get access to the like the basic scream layout. Paid the people who did the ghost face mask, uh, you know, for the rights to do that, and then that's how they did all this. I would imagine this is just such a. I mean, obviously it was a harsh reminder during Scream, but how monsters can create such great movies. <laughs> yeah, like Roman Polanski. Yeah, You know, uh, all the stuff. That, I mean, great director, but horrible, horrible monster in real life. And then you you're know? supposed to boycott the movies, and it's like, can I not enjoy <laughs> the art and not support the fact that this person did what they did? Like, just because I like the movie doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, yeah, go have your way with a bunch of women, you know? Yeah, it's and it's one thing too because I mean, yes, he produced it, but how many other people had you know that were that didn't have anything to do with that were you know like the actors, produ- you know, directors, you know, the all that. So you're basically if you boycott, you're taking jobs from other people who had no hand in that just because one person in the chain, you know, did. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's not like you can just you know. <clears throat> I mean, there's there's ways to cancel, like, I guess if you want to go that route or boycotting certain actors for their choices or whatever. But like, when you start talking about the people at the higher ends of the chain, you, you kind of, it's, it, it's very murky and it, it sucks for yeah. everybody involved. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny that like, you know, the, the Weinsteins, because we mentioned it, that they actually had very good suggestions that they passed back down to, you know, like Craven about directions to go with a movie that actually helped the franchise a screen. Yeah. So they knew how to do their jobs as producers as bad as like Harvey was, uh, otherwise. Uh, what do you think about the? Uh, so I, we mentioned the acting a little bit. Was there? Any, uh, I mean, I feel like everybody in this movie brought their A game when it came to the comedy. Was there anybody that you didn't feel like really did their job in, in that regard? Um, the the guy with the tiny penis problems. I think he was the weaker of the. He, he was the weakest link. <laughs> he was the he was the smallest link. Yeah, he was the smallest link. <laughs> um, and Shannon Elizabeth had to be in the movie. For, you know, pretty purposes, I didn't particularly like her acting or think she was amazing. She She's very token. Wasn't, uh, she served the same purpose she did as Nadia in uh, yeah. American Pie. I liked she her better in American Pie, you know. Uh, she sold her fake accent that she created on her own, by the way, uh, that was on Inside of You, one of our favorite podcasts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I liked her better in that. But in this... Uh, I was just like, oh, here we go. Um, although I'm going to say the one, and I don't know if this is in your, I doubt it's in your uh, quotes. It shouldn't, I don't, I'd be surprised if it was, but my favorite, favorite quote from this movie, I've always remembered it and I actually use it sometimes is when she walked up to Brenda at the very beginning when they first met, well, not first met, but when you see them first interact and she's like, what is up my sister? Oh yeah, yeah. That, because Brenda, because that's right after that scene that where Brenda pulls that thing that you know women always get accused of, where they all sit and smack talks, you know, other women, you know, uh, like um, in a like special workspace type situation. Sit there, it's like I just can't stand that hoe. And then like as soon as they walk up, oh hey, how are you, girl? Oh hey, you know, girl. That sort yeah. of thing. Oh my god, it, it's so true too. Real quick though, because uh, this is jumping ahead, but that was supposed to be her dad handing her money. I thought it was a sugar daddy. Uh, yes, that was supposed to be her father handing her money, but they, the way it plays out in the movie, it looks like a sugar daddy. Looks like a sugar daddy, yeah. 
but then she goes from like sort of like you know like respectable like looking the sweater cardigan type look to full-on hoe mode like as soon as he pulls away so you know there's that whole thing oh my god because that was one of the things that cindy is like you know she's very naive like she's like oh no brenda she's not like that and then uh, instantly she's like give me that lipstick hoe and then like you know and she's like you know got her you know uh Two very uh, promising, uh, you know, assets. Uh, oh my god! Right there for everybody to see. Right there, front and center. <laughs> but yeah, uh, she. Yeah, I agree with you. Although she was better in this than Thirteen Ghosts, I'll I'll tell you that much right now because I nothing in that Matthew Lillard saved that movie. Yeah. For me. Well, the yeah, end. This movie's supposed <laughs> to be stupid, so there's that. Yeah, um, and the guy who plays the the jock or whatever. He does his part well enough because he's just supposed to be the hothead. That, yeah. You know, uh, he's playing the, uh, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. type role from I Know What You Did Last Summer. So, I mean, that because he, he's just a hothead kind of misogynistic guy in that movie. And that's what this character is supposed to be. So, yeah. Well, you know, like I said, he it wasn't that it was like the worst, but he was he was the weakest link for sure. And yeah. Shannon Elizabeth was a close second for me. Yeah. Uh, the guy who plays Doofy, though, is hilarious. Oh, my God. Like he's he, amazing. Um, music in this movie, um, nothing really, like, super stood out, but, like, it's the the poppy beats and the mm-hmm. way that they weave them in there, they work. Like, they're, cons- they're consistently doing a good job throughout the movie. It just nothing really, like, blew me away during the Yeah, during well, it that. definitely keeps the energy of the film going, and then it's appropriately scary when it needs to be to get, like, because you're laughing, but then you scream. You know, you get, like, a you get a couple of jump scares in this. It's really good. Um <laughs> I like a movie that can pull all those emotions out of you at the same time, you know? I think good I think scary movies realize that comedy is like the opposite of horror and like they and to relieve tension a lot of times they'll that's why you get the you know, kind of goofy side character who's the comic relief in a lot of horror movies because they relieve the tension just long enough for the horror to come back in and be that much more effective. You know, yeah. you're not numb to it that way. And and I, and that's what works for this movie is because, like, it, it works as a comedy because you got the horror elements to kind of offset the comedy. It, and it's kind of the reverse scenario in this movie. Um, are uh, you having your <laughs> Monsters, Inc. moment of, like, we scare because we care? And it keeps the town energy going. But then they found out that laughter actually provides better and longer lasting energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. Oh, my I, I God. love, I know it's it's not a, I know some people have major issues with them. And there's, and there's a balance that, you know, risk there. But I, I absolutely love horror comedies. Like, oh, they're, yeah. to me, they, they're the ones that I go back to as comfort you know, watches more so than just straight up horror films. Yeah. In a lot of cases. Uh, but I will say this best music, that choice of having, I don't, uh, I don't want to wait, you know, from uh, <laughs> Dawson's Creek was inspired. I chef's kiss to that scene because when that started playing, I just had to smile from ear to ear. I'm like, <laughs> I love this. Oh man. Um, <clears throat> Anything else you want to say about? I mean, we could talk about this movie all day. Oh but yeah, it's, it's 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 just great. Like you go back and rewatch it, and it's I mean, it stands the test of time. I mean, yes, some of the jokes are maybe dated now, uh, 
but at the same time, I mean, they, you know, you can still get the slapstick humor regardless of what your cultural connections are. You can still get the, uh, a lot of the, and if you, if you're a horror movie fan, especially you can get the references to the movies they're making fun of in those ways. The thing about horror comedies is they get the funny pass where, you know, you might not be the hottest guy, but if you can make a girl laugh, you're probably going to get in the pants, you know? Davidson, yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, come on. You didn't have to ruin it for me. (laughs) Terrible. Anyways, but, you know, I think that this movie, and the reason I say that is because this movie just has its stupid moments, but, like, you don't, it's not like anything where you're like, that was a little too dumb. It's, It's fucking hilarious. And they knew what they could get away with, and they fucking went with it. Oh, that, and one scene that we didn't bring up because it's not a death scene, but that scene where I, it's it actually in Omar Epps every time in Scream 2 that I see that scene where he gets stabbed in, uh, you know, through the bathroom stall. I think of the scene with Ray because oh, yes? the, that scene with the glory hole and like he gets the, the you know, dick the, through the ear, dick through the ear. That is totally supplanted that scene in Scream 2 for me that to the point where I see Scream 2, I'm just waiting for Omar Epps to have, you know, a dick slide out the other side of his ear. Oh, my God. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> that just, But that just goes to show how brilliant they were because they took, like, little scenes like those and, like, did, like, a unique spin on them to where, like, they just stand out so much. Yeah. Um. But anyways, are you ready for trivia? Let's to- do it, yeah. So at around 54 minutes, when Ray and Brenda are in the movie theater, the preview screen reads, the following preview has been as proved for immature audiences only. If you can read this, you are too close. PP, poopy boogers, farts, butthole, rated I for immature. We thought it would be funny to put this in here, kiss our asses and take it off pause. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good meta comedy right there. Yeah. Uh, the original script featured a cameo role for Jamie Lee Curtis as Cindy would discover her hiding in a closet in her house while the killer was chasing her up the stairs. I think that would have been hilarious. That would have been cool. Everyone would have loved that. At around 42 minutes, the lunchroom menu at the high school reads, same old shit. Ain't that the goddamn truth? <laughs> at around six minutes in, uh, one of the first scenes in Cindy's bedroom, she says, would you like to have a little bumpy bump or a little bump bump? This scene line was originally written for Scream, but it was later changed. Would you like to have a little raw footage? Oh, my God. So they took a literal line from the script from the original Scream and then just put it in this one because it was a stupid you know, line to begin with. Yeah. When Anna Ferris landed a part in the film, she was working in an ad agency and was only a week away from moving to her company's London office. Oh, shit. So th- I, this movie pretty much gave her her career. It gave her her career, and she like she was taking a huge risk because, I mean, I guess if you're if Marlon if you're in a Marlon Wayne's a, Mar- a Wayne's Brothers film, I think you're gonna be okay. Yeah, most of their movies have done had done well up to this point. I mean, Low Down Dirty Shame, mm-hmm. you know, like a few, uh, you know, others. I'm gonna get you sucker. Like there was, they had proven themselves enough to where it wasn't that much of a gamble, really, if you could land the role in one of their movies. Yeah, and like so, she <laughs> applied for. Yeah, she got you. You can't say no to the Wayne's Brothers. You can't. Uh, it be it, it. Yeah, it just makes no sense whatsoever. I think that's the reason they've got so many people, even James Vanderbeek, to appear in this because they knew, you know, it was uh, the it was talent that they yeah. were working with. At around forty six minutes, when Cindy is in Miss Man's office, there is a Nazi SS uniform hanging to the right of Miss Man. I did not notice. 
I didn't notice either, but you know, there's, it's hard to notice anything in that scene other than what's presented. And we'll get to that in death Hollow awards in the theatrical trailer. One scene shows a close-up of a character holding up a chip and saying this stuff is good. In the R-rated version, it's revealed the character's actually holding oh up a joint. Oh, my God. <laughs> Released by the same studio as the Scream films, which we kind of covered yes. earlier. Dimension films. The script for this movie is actually a combination of two scripts Dimension films bought in 88. Last summer, I screamed because Halloween fell on Friday the 13th. What a title. Uh, written by the Wayans Brothers and Phil Bowman, and Scream If You Know What I Did Last Summer by Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. So that's the reason you get all those writers listed as credit, yeah. because they took two films and just smashed them together. Um, the later two are the two of the sixth writers of Scary Movie who went on to make Date Movie, Epic Movie, etc. So that's that's kind of interesting. Were those um, actually were those are- names? Oh yeah, the script for this movie is actually a combination. Wait, were those going to be titles of the film? Yes, and that's what I'm saying. They are awful titles. Yeah, I'm so glad they went with scary movie. Last summer, I screamed because Halloween fell on Friday the Thirteenth. What? A, oh my god! No, thank you. Um, and I love the fact that they named this what originally Scream was going to be called. Oh yeah, because we covered that in the trivia on those movies. Despite the screenplay credits for Aaron Seltzer and Jason Friedberg, little if anything from their screenplay was used. Marlon Wayans in particular has said that he and most of the other writers responsible for the final script never even read Seltzer and Friedberg's draft after Keenan Ivory Wayans checked it over and assured them that it contained nothing worth retaining in their vision. Goddamn. <laughs> that's, that's some cold shade right yeah. there. Yeah. At around two minutes in, the opening scene, a movie poster for Scream can be seen on the wall near the front door of Drew's house. Son of a bitch. <laughs> At around 47 minutes, the name of the high school is B.A. Corpse High School. <laughs> <laughs> At around 40 minutes, the Was Up scene is a parody of the 1999 Budweiser TV commercial titled True. The commercial became an inspiration for other Budweiser commercials using the Was Up catchphrase until the year t- 2002. Back when commercials were good. Yeah, they had that, and then they had the Budweiser frogs Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. Alicia Silverstone was offered the role of Cindy Campbell, but turned it down. I mean, I think that's a shame, but I really think that Anna Faris brought it to the table. I think so, too. And and I'm wondering if Alicia Silverstone would have made it as funny, because, like I said, Anna Faris does a pretty good job of, like, playing that dumb, I mean, not to say that, Alicia didn't and clueless, but I mean, at the same time, like she, she went a different way with the character than what I feel like Alicia Silverstone would have done. Cause Alicia Silverstone, even in her like clueless type role had a seriousness about her that I, yeah. that I never felt with Anna Ferris in this entire movie. I think that Alicia Silverstone possibly could have played Drew's character, you know, another version of that, but it would almost been a little too much like Drew and yes. in the case, we wouldn't have gotten the sexiness of Carmen Electra running through the sprinklers, the fucking implant coming out. Like, that was awesome. She really all, went with a lot of it. All that, the jokes about Prince and, yeah. you know, and, every, and Dennis Rodman, it, it, it just worked so much better to have Carmen Electra in that scene. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Jared Leto was offered to play Bobby during the early stages of casting. He eventually declined in favor of doing Requiem for a Dream in 2000, which also starred scary movie writer-director Marlon Wayans. I can't see Jared Leto doing the comedy of this film that well. I can't. Jared Leto is so 
weird about mm-hmm. method acting anyways yeah. that he would have he would have leaned into the redneck closeted he would have leaned in all the serious parts of bobby prince instead of actually playing yeah the the humor of it like the actor in the movie actually did uh jenny mccarthy Wahlberg and britney spears were offered the role of drew decker mccarthy which would have been hilarious because jenny mccarthy being swapped out for carmen electra yeah. is, is hilarious given the singled out reference that yes. it makes McCarthy turned down the role in order to instead appear in Scream 3, but would later appear as Katie in Scary Movie 3. Hmm. So she's been in both series. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Do we have any other crossover actors that have made it to both? Uh, I'm trying to remember if there was anybody who... I'm sure that some of the stab actors might have made an appearance, uh, you know, just like Gene McCarthy, yeah. but uh, nothing's coming to my mind right now. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge was offered the role of Miss Man, but she turned it down. Now, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome, but would she have been able to pull off the manliness of Miss Man? Well, the funny thing is, given the American Pie reference you already have with Shannon and Elizabeth, it would have been hilarious to have Stifler's mom come in there and show her balls to everybody. Yeah. That Um, would have been interesting. What also would have been interesting, hear me out for a minute, is Jennifer Coolidge as the fucking predator-ass teacher that has a baby with one of the students. Oh, yeah, the one that's sitting there smoking and yeah. she's just like, shut up, bitch, or whatever, talking yeah. about Heather's goody two-shoes character. Yeah, here you yeah, go. That, go. Would have been, that would have been a good role for her, actually. Yeah, here, you go to your daddy and the other one, I'll see you after school. And it would have made perfect sense to have her in that role because she would have been Stifler's mom, basically. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that'd been great. Oh, and if they would have, how it would have been weird. Well, no, I was about to say John William Scott, although he'd been hilarious in this movie, but it would have been creepy given the fact that it was supposed to be his mom in American Pie. If they would have had the guy played Shipbreak play the guy who she hands the kid to, mm-hmm. that would have been perfect. Shipbreak. That would have just oh, like, set my everything God. off. Yeah. Poor Shipbreak. <laughs> Uh, the role of Brenda was offered to the late R&B sensation, uh, Aaliyah, uh, who declined uh, the role out of respect to singer Brandy Norwood as it was a parody of her role in the movie I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Okay. Little, little Kim was considered for the role of Brenda Meeks. I could see Little Kim doing it. See, the problem with Aaliyah is she wasn't hood enough no matter how much she pretended. No, yeah, she, I never, she was the most white bread of yeah. any of those singers back in the day. Lil' Kim would definitely fit the role. Oh, Lil' Kim would, yeah, I would have liked her. Although I think that, uh, what's her name, did a really good job. Oh, yeah, and, and there's a reason that the Wayans Brothers kept casting her in, like, parody movie after parody. She's, she's got comedic chops. Like, that actress is great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the cameraman played by Dan Joffrey, is called Kenny. Not only is this reference to Scream, where the cameraman W. Earl Brown is in the movie, had the same name, but also the last name of Francis Kenny, scary movie cinematographer. (laughs) So many references. And it's like, I mean, it's cool that they do that, but like half of people aren't going to know this stuff. Uh, but I think it is whenever you start writing movies like this that you start adding in comedy for your own sake, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and that's probably what that was. Like, they were just, you know, little references that only the cast and crew would get. Shannon Elizabeth said the director wanted to achieve a push-up look with her boobs, so they kept making her wear tighter tops and bras that pushed them out as far as possible. But when the director wanted to add padding, she just turned around <laughs> and said, hey, do I look like the kind of girl who needs extra padding? Everybody on set just burst out laughing, so finally it's just her own healthy breast that you see in the movie. 
I mean, yeah, because I thought that it was padding. They're not ginormously big. I think they're pretty appropriate for our size, you know? Yeah, they, they, they're big enough to entice, if you want to use that word, but at the same time not look at Because I'm one of those guys, I don't like them whenever they look so fake and so unnaturally big. Like, I know some guys are way into that, but, like, there's a certain threshold when it starts getting like, you know, it looks like you took a slider on a video game and like really cranked up the, the breast, you know, uh, cause some games have that option. Believe yeah. it or not. Like it, it just gets cartoony at some point to me. And it just, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it goes the opposite way. It's like a turn off more than it is a turn on. Yeah. I mean, is she's skinny enough with enough boob that she didn't have to do the, the push-up route, but sometimes when you're a little bigger, like for instance, me, I'm thicker. Um, I'm not real skinny, and I have pretty decent sized boobles. But sometimes you need the. It's not so much padding. They have they do it better nowadays. Back then, it was a massive padding that they had to use to get those knockers up. But they also have lined bras now that give you that push-up look without padding your your tits. So it's your natural boobs, but I don't know. They've look at engineering went into it. Okay, <laughs> German engineering. No, I'm just kidding. So I, I just, that's why I was confused because I was like, wait a second, she definitely has a push up effect. I'm thinking, well, okay, yeah, tighter would make sense for her because she can afford it. But someone who's got skin on them, tighter is going to make them look like a stuffed sausage. Yeah, yeah, that. But she's super thin mm-hmm. uh, around this time, so that that's why they were able to get by with that. You yeah. Know? So I was like, how in the <laughs> hell would you do that? Okay, never mind. Casting directors uh, Mary Vernu and Anne McCarthy left the film after both a lengthy casting period and over differences with the director. A third casting director, Christine Sheeks, was brought aboard. Sheeks had little to do since most of the film was cast by Vernu and McCarthy. So why'd they bring her on? I guess they filled out like a few of the minor roles here and there afterward, but like that's that's. I guess she had the cushiest job ever being brought on like at the very end and had like, you know, I was like, okay, uh, you know. I guess I'll fill out, like, you know, random person in crowd number two, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. At around 24 minutes, the killer makes a brief appearance wearing the actual ghost face costume from Scream 1996. However, the weapon he's holding is not a knife, but rather a large fish hook, a.k.a. the same weapon used in I Know What You Did Last Summer. Both movies are parodied in this film. Is that the only so. time he was in it? I mean, like, no, I know he was in it more like we see his face. It's the only time they use this straight up ghost face mask. Like okay. they use variations oh, of it. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, they're just saying that they actually did use it at least once, though. When the killer calls Cindy at Buffy's house and says she got the wrong guy, Mrs. Gilmore runs out of the room and calls out for Doofy. If you listen close enough, after Mrs. Gilmore says Doofy's name, the killer is heard saying, "No, it isn't me." Before hanging up and Doofy quickly comes out of the room, a subtle hint that Doofy really is the killer. I didn't fucking catch that. I didn't either. And I but I'm it's too there's so much going on in that scene because Aunt Anna Ferris is going ape shit in that scene. Uh you've got Shannon Elizabeth who's, you know, if you're distracted otherwise, like I mean, she's lounging around basically in, you know, lingerie. And then you got Doofy running out shortly after that with the the vacuum cleaner yes. attachment. So I mean you're going to miss that if you're not, like, paying super close attention to it. That's so funny. <coughs> in the principal's office, there is a sign that says, Shots Beer. That was the beer company in Laverne and Shirley in which uh, Squiggy oh, came from. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's also a throwback to the fact in Scream, remember they had the Fonz's jacket, you know, for Henry Winkler and that. So. Yeah. 
Christopher Masterson, who played Buddy uh, in Scary Movie 2, makes a cameo in Scary Movie. He can be seen in the scene where Cindy receives the anonymous note in class. So that blonde-haired guy that like keeps hitting on her and says that they're friends or whatever throughout Scary Movie 2 is oh. actually in Scary Movie 1. What? Oh, yeah. Okay. The guy that, like, and I forgot about this. It's hilarious. In both movies, Cindy gets, like, super sprayed by guys who have been, like, pent up, if you remember right. Yeah. Because she, that's how she gets out of the room in the one in Scary Movie 2. Like, they're trapped in there in the freezer. And then uh, and then this one, like, she gets, like, blasted to the ceiling and, like, gets pasted there, basically, which uh, Christopher Masterson, is he related to Danny Masterson? I, they must be because they've got similar appearances when you look at them in the face. Yeah, like, hold on. I'm looking right now. Oh, man. Stupid. Yeah. Oh, wait. They come up, but I don't know. Let's see if it'll say family life. Anyways, you can move on, and then I'll jump in. Three of the Brady Bunch kids from 1969's names, first names appear in this movie. Greg, who's Buffy's boyfriend, and the two youngest children, Bobby and Cindy. I didn't even catch that. Hold on one second. I got it. James Manderby got around seven minutes. No, that's not it. Um, There it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Greg, Bobby, and Cindy. Yes. And, by the way, Chris Masterson and Danny Masterson, no surprise, brothers. Okay. Yeah, like I said, they've got similar appearances, so that would make sense to me. James Vanderbeek, at around seven minutes, uh, appears at the window when Cindy and Bobby are about to make love and I Don't Want to Wait by Paula Cole plays in the background, which is obviously reference to Dawson's Creek. Let's be honest. They were not about to make love. She had an electric fence around her pussy. Yeah, and uh, didn't she have something going on in the second movie, too? Like, I, I feel like there was she had some kind of thing going on. The reason that she wasn't, like, getting with anybody in that movie, too. But, like, I, I don't thought know. it was a it, chastity a... belt, but I can't. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it is funny later on, though, whenever uh, Bobby has to, like, use the hedge clippers to trim down that 70s bush she's got going oh, on. Oh, yeah. And, and then he chokes on the, the hairs whenever he goes downtown, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> In an early script, it was going to reveal that the killer was Damon Wayans for his brothers holding out on his on this movie, but due to scheduling conflicts, it was rewritten. I would have loved that because he's the only Wayans brother that's not in this movie, and if he would have been the killer and said, why you bitches not bring me into this, then that would have been just set this movie off. Yeah. <laughs> At around one hour and 18 minutes, the last scene where Doofy starts walking properly and his crippling was just his acting is taken from the usual suspects from 1995. I vaguely remember that. And I've never, and I haven't, as far as I know, I don't think I've seen the usual suspects, but I remember that scene for some reason. At around 39 minutes, when Gail is hurrying past the police the, uh, building to get an interview with Cindy, if you look at the brick wall in the background and white spray paint and the na is the name Doofy, a foreshadow that Doofy is the serial killer. I did see that, but I didn't, I didn't think that he was the killer. Yeah, yeah, the way they paint him in the movie, you just assume that he's like, you know, that that's just him being, well, Doofy. Yeah, Doofy, I mean. that's just our Doofy. 
I love that scene too, where Shannon Elizabeth is emasculating him, like you know Rose McGowan did, uh, you know David Arquette in the original Scream, and uh, you know, and it's and she brings up the fact, you know, the vacuum cleaner and all that in the police station because it's like perfect mirroring that scene where, you know, it's like he's like, Mom told you not to do that around all my, you know, everybody at work, and she's like, you know, just basically tells him to shut up. In the yeah. Original movie. Uh, at let's see, at around 58 minutes, the scene in the movie theater where Brenda is stabbed by everyone is a parody, obviously, of the opening of Scream 2 from 97. At around one hour and six minutes, during the killer's stint getting high and making prank calls, he says, ki 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 ma ma ma, which is a reference to the trademark sound in Friday the 13th films. Aww. At around one hour and 13 minutes, as Ray is stabbing Bobby, he says, the Wayans Brothers was a good show. Oh, yes, I remember that. Ray is played by Sean Wayans and Shorty is played by Marlon Wayans, who both starred in the show. And that's, I, I love that is his reasoning why, you know, he's like, you know, he, he, he's the killers because they just didn't give the Wayans brothers, you know, good enough ratings and he's still pissed off about it. Did you ever watch that show? I did. Cause it, some of the, some of it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, their, their theme song, we're brothers. Uh, we're happy and, and we're, we're singing and we're, we're colored. And we're, and we're colored. Give, give me a high five. Yes. I, love that. <laughs> I loved it. Oh man. Uh, the credit scene where shorty is in the shop is, is a spoof on Randy's video message from scream three. That's at the end of the movie where he's like, there's, there's certain rules you got to know about this situation. And then he's getting ready to, you know, rob the place to get some, you know, snack. Oh the, yeah. The party. I thought uh, I got um I almost got and I could be wrong but a Blair Witch vibes from it. I, I can see that to a degree, but they clearly reference Blair Witch already in the movie, you okay. know, with the whole the snot scene coming yes. out of her nose. But also the fact that you know, like it really was like the scene where Randy's like explaining to him like the you know post death, yeah, like you know how the you know the rules for a, a trilogy are. And then finally, the scene where Cindy gets hit by a car is a spoof on Final Destination. <laughs> is it? I thought it was. Um, I know what you did last summer when she, the ten of her love huge tits was out in the street. I guess the actual it, getting hit part. It's spoofing both of them okay. brilliantly, but it's but the fact that she gets hit is actually you know from Final Destination. Um, I don't care what they were spoofing. I am here for it. <laughs> Death Holler Awards, what do we feel about her final girl, Cindy Campbell? Uh, she is the ultimate final girl because she gets killed and comes back to life. In fact, multiple <laughs> characters do, but, I mean, you She know. gets killed, comes back to life, gets haunted, and then, you know, and then, you know, is, is possessed. Uh, her, her pussy is crazy. We've mm-hmm. already established this. Um, the, she, oh, my God, though. She she is the, I mean, I'm, I don't have this on as war, but she is the dumbest final girl. Oh, yes. She's got dumb luck, too. <laughs> Lots of dumb uh, luck. What about our slasher, Doofy? Okay. So about this, I just remember the very end of the movie where his limp goes away and he starts walking and he's normal and everyone in the theater fucking losing their shit, okay? And he's, his hair is slicked back and he looks so good. But in reality, this actor is not a very good-looking dude. It's funny you say that because I remember... I can't remember the name of the podcast now, and I well wished I could, but it's a uh, 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 Paul, uh, a comedian Paul, and and uh, and, and Nick Cross or like uh, Nick and some others like get together and they basically make fun of like these old cheesy movies. Yeah, and they and they were talking about and in one in particular they had a whole episode 
where they had, uh, where they were talking about Ernest goes to jail and, uh, Paul's wife, who's on the show, and she's a comedian, they're all comedians on this, brings up the fact that she was strangely attracted to evil, uh, you know, um, Ernest in that movie because he, he, you know, there's a version of Ernest in the movie, the one that breaks out of prison and puts, you know, actual Ernest P. Worrell in his place. Uh, he's got the slick back hair, kind of like this character, you know, he's, he's you know, he, he puts on the Jim Varney charm, like more than anybody yeah. else, like, you know, any version of art. And she's like, I, and she's like, I was strangely like attracted and still think he's like super hot. And, and after she said that it made it into the, like they actually, somebody made a song up that they used as like their intro to the podcast. And they used that. It's like, uh, uh, it was some line to the effect of, uh, Jim Varney, uh, evil Jim Varney's, uh, kind of hot or something like that. They threw that line in there. Yeah. And it's funny you say that cause this character reminds me of that, you know, that evil Jim Varney from Ernest goes to jail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I remember him turning into who, who he actually wasn't being like, what the fuck? I think it was a really good, like, no one suspected it. Yeah, I mean, I remember that whenever, because I'm pretty sure we watched this, me and my wife watched this in the theater too, and like, it was like, everybody's like, what? Like, yeah. you could actually hear people like, you know, and, and see like people's like mouths just, you know, drop open because yeah. like nobody expected Doofy because it was perfectly set up. I mean, he was just kind of in the background. Perfectly set up. He he played his role, role well, and I think that you know, the Waynes brothers did a great job in making, well, it might not have just been the Waynes brothers, but I think that they did a great job in getting everybody in that route. You, you least expected it. And usually the one you least expect is sometimes the most expected, but it wasn't at all. Uh, that podcast, by the way, I was looking it up is how did this get made? Uh, oh. where it, yeah. Very funny podcast. Like they go back and like movies that we cover, you know, some of those too, because yeah. they love like cheesy B movies, you know, <laughs> but like they throw them in there. It's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, birdemic, uh, stuff like that. Just shitty movies that they can make fun of. But yeah, they, yeah, it, but it's pretty funny. That would be a good podcast for me to be on. Cause I feel like <laughs> that about most movies. How did this fucking get made? Not this movie. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and that's what the, that's what they basically do. they sit around and they're like, just I mean, the, that's the whole comment. It's like you know, they they bring it up, they make fun of certain parts of the movie. It's like you got this scene with so and so, and and it's just so ridiculous and over the top, and you know. Uh, but anyway, it's like one of the best things they ever did on that. How, how did this get made? Because they do some of them in front of a live audience is that they were talking about Bloodsport, I believe it was, uh, or whatever the name of the movie is with, uh, uh, Van Damme. And like, there's a line in that movie where there, there's this chance in the background where people are saying, Kumate, Kumate. And that's like now, like the podcast chant, like when people see them in, in public, like the, the audience will start screaming that at certain points. Oh my like, God. The chant started. uh but yeah i going back to this movie like doofy was i I just love that turn and like he pulls it off so well and you're right there's like looking at the guy straight on like he's not but there's something about the way he he was so smooth at the end of this movie yeah just and then walks in there and just slaps a kiss on sherry o'terry you know like as she drives off with him or whatever so um best kill in the movie uh for me, it's not a kill, but the Ray moment. God, that lives in infamy. That the dick through the ear. Like oh I, yeah. Like, it just 
and, and then also in part two, the where the clown like tries to get away from him oh, underneath yeah? the bed, and then just wraps around his neck and pulls him back. Uh, but the, other than that, an actual kill in the movie, if you want to call it that, because she never technically dies, is Buffy Gilmore, where she keeps talking, you know, her decapitated head. <laughs> My favorite was uh, Cindy getting hit by the, the car at the end. That's pretty good. Yeah. Because she's so annoying, too. Yes, like, you're you, just you like, shut up. <laughs> uh, best scream is definitely Cindy in this movie. Uh she she Anna Ferris is pretty good at that. Yeah. Uh and and that scene too where she opens up the door, and that's the scene that I remembered whenever I did the best scream. It's the parody of Scream where uh, uh Dewey is standing there with the scream uh, the ghost face mask, like holding oh, it, like, yeah. it, you know, to Nev Campbell. And uh she screams and then Dewey screams like it they did the the whole thing in this one the same way with Doofy. Yeah, they did a good job with it too. Uh, let's see. Best boobs. So we didn't technically, well, uh, we did see boobs and I'll get to that in a minute, but the ones that we didn't see, uh, who do you think between Shannon Elizabeth or Carmen Electra? Uh, Carmen Electra. Cause we get to see her boobs from the inside out. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> um, also, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure they're fake, but props to the person. I mean, they're, perfectly sized i mean to get attention but also they don't look ridiculous on her frame so mm-hmm. um but shannon elizabeth good good runner up i mean she yeah. got the she would have got that in this movie if it hadn't been for carmen electra's you know little stunt at the beginning of it yes uh worst boobs by far in any of these movies we've seen so far and that includes coach schneider and you know not uh, <laughs> on street too uh is cindy campbell's boobs because a, they're not even good man boobs, and then B, there's way too much hair on them. So, uh, and they jiggle, and they have sound effects. <laughs> yeah, they do. They're so bad, so it gross. Is, is, uh, j- boobs do not make even big old juggies don't make noise like that. Okay. I just love that though. In part two, uh, seeing this, and my first thing was shorty in part two. You got them orangutan titties. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a real that's a real thing, man. <laughs> Uh, best balls. This is an award I hope we never have to give out again. But uh, Miss Man, congratulations! I, I didn't start like a clap sound here for you from the Academy Awards. <laughs> um, I feel like balls happen again somewhere in the scary movie franchise, but we won't go searching. No, but I mean, but there you go, Miss Man. You you earned your. That's the reason I didn't notice the Nazi outfit because she was looking you, at your balls, or he was looking at yeah, your balls. They're right there. I mean, they're hanging out. Cindy can't even look away from them. So, uh, best parody in the movie for you? What do you think? Oh God, um, you put me on the spot. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> best parody, best parody. Um, I don't know. You go first. I'm Dawson's Creek. They oh, set it up so perfectly. They did. I don't. I, it's that's too hard. There's so many in the movie. I, I I was wondering if you would have one right off the bat when I because I knew you wouldn't have this prepared. Yeah. Um, but there's so many like that was up. I mean, that's a good parody. Yeah. That's you know cultural more than it is like scary movie related. Uh, you know there there's actually there's a scene I want to say in this movie. Uh, where um, somebody says red rum, I believe in the scene right before um, a Shannon Elizabeth's character gets uh, 
gets her head cut off. Like uh-huh. you can hear somebody go red room, you know, like yeah. to, to harken back to the shining. Like there's all kinds of this movie I, off the top of my head. I, that's so sad because like, I don't have anything that like stands out to me. And I think that's just a damn shame. Uh, that's, but they're, you're bombarded with them in this movie, which is yeah. good. I mean, in a good way. Oh so. yeah. Uh, I feel like that goes, uh, turns a negative turn in the other movies that respond from this, like Epic Movie. They get they get so much parody that they lose any cohesion as a story. I mean, I didn't give this movie credit so much for a story because it's, you know, kind of pasted in together. But it does at least have, it and part two both have like a cohesion where there's a start and an end. And, you know, but like you get some of these movies like um, not enough teen movie. It's literally just references to teen movies. That's all yeah. it is. I mean, I mean, you have, I mean, Varsity Blues being the biggest one, of course, with the guy, it had literal guy from Varsity's Blues that gets like, you know, brained so many times that he, Billy Bob or Joe Bob or whatever his name is, that gets, you know, knocked out. But all those movies just get so many parodies, they lose any narrative whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Best side character for you. You know, that's hard. Because there's a lot of main characters that are side characters. And I'll give you a few examples of ones that I think are side characters. Uh, Shorty being one. Brenda, He's my favorite. I'm yeah. just going to throw it out there. He is. Brenda being one of them. And Bobby technically is a side character. He is because he's not even really in the movie as much as Skeet is in the original Scream. So I, I'm going to go right off the bat. Shorty serves a purpose and I would not want this movie without him. But I don't like Shorty's character. So it's not shorty for me. Uh, so that leaves Brenda or Bobby for me. And I'm going to go with Brenda because I just love her fucking black girl attitude. I, that's she. That's a good one. And and like you said, I just find it hilarious that Scream 5 and 6 have the Meeks twins. Yes. And, you know, and it, it plays into this movie. It'd be funny if they had made both of these uh, twins, but with like different baby daddies. Because <laughs> they have the same mom, obviously. If they would have known what Scream would do later on, they yeah, would have, for that sure. would have been hilarious. Uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet? So I don't really know if there is one in this movie. It's either Shorty because he's telling them about, you know, he's serving the Randy role a little yeah. bit, you know, uh, or Cindy herself because she's the only one who's kind of concerned about the killer. Everybody else, like, uh, Buffy doesn't give two shits. She's more worried about, like, especially making fun of that scene where she wins the award yeah. for, like, you know, the... Prom, I mean, it's the best act. It's whatever, you know, it's not prom queen, but it's something like beauty contestant. But um, she doesn't get two shits. Yeah. Uh, doesn't even care if her boyfriend got killed literally just a minute before because she won the award. Uh, we don't have, I mean, Bobby and Ray are both in on it. So they, you know, they, you know, they're not doing profits at all. Mm-mm. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think of anybody. Greg is too worried about the fact that somebody found out he has a little dick. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's that. Wouldn't you, though? Holy crap, if I had a penis that small, I'd be concerned. <laughs> I wouldn't even have a girlfriend. I mean, look at in this movie. And the fact that Shannon Elizabeth laughs so, she laughs harder than anybody. uh, Yeah. And it's like, are you guys not having sex because she's having sex with everyone else because she's had sex with Bobby and she's talking about how good he was in bed to fucking, what's her name? To Cindy. Yeah, yeah, she does mention it because that, that's the one because they're sitting there talking about it. She's like, oh, he's so good. And then the, it's like Cindy's like gives her a look and she's like, oh, and then she just moves on. Yeah. You know? So um, when it comes to annoying and because he does have Doom Prophet 
prophe- prophecies, uh, capabilities, it's for me, it's going to be Shorty because I did not like Shorty. So... I loved him, but yeah, I mean he he's annoying in his in the stoner way. He's annoying yeah. in the Seth Rogen way. Yeah, and it's for me, it's just a little too much because it's very exaggerated. Because I know people get wild when they're stoned, but that's a little. He was doing the most, and he didn't have to. Yeah, maybe, but yeah. Yeah, that's the way Marlon Wayans yeah. always does. And so. like I said, I wouldn't have imagined, I I would not want this movie without him. So like I've said, I'm not saying like, oh my God, he's just useless. No, not by no means am I saying that. For me, that's just how it seemed. So, but everyone else seemed to love it. So that's my problem. Because he does the same thing in Don't Be a Menace. Mm-hmm, and he, he does. And I love that character in that movie because that whole scene where they're, he's escalating it with the gang members, like they're like each one of them's pulling out a gun, and then like he pulls out like a Uzi, and then they pull out a rocket launcher, and then he comes out and he's got the the uh, mail truck that he's supposed to. I don't know if he's. I think he stole oh, it. Yeah. The movie. And he opens it up, and it's got like an intercontinental missile, and he's like, "Do we have? Yeah, a I'm not a fucking problem. Yeah." <laughs> I I do love that. Um, dumbest moment. Uh, there, there's real. I mean, this this movie's intentionally dumb. So I mean, there's like you, you can't really compare it. I yeah. Mean, a lot of stuff with Cindy is is really dumb. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, it's it's intentional, so I can't really rate it. That I mean, way. she does have a few moments where her things are so dumb they actually don't hit or land in terms of comedy. Because I feel like she has too much because she's the main character, you know. I I can't give you an example right off the top of my head, but there's a few times where, like, I felt like it kind of fell flat with her, you know. Um, But then you kind of move past it because there's so much going on in this film in terms of what movie are we talking about now? What scene of said movie are we talking about? What are we adding? You know, you're looking for so much in these films. So, and and they're hitting you a, a you know just every second oh, with yeah. like some a new reference or something about the characters themselves you know like little little innuendo that Ray's giving off about you know his gayness again you oh, know yeah. that so if something doesn't <laughs> land don't worry something else will you know it's not you're never going to be bored in this movie um, one thing I want to bring up before we end this one and move on to the last movie is. Uh, do you feel like this movie would be canceled given today's culture? I mean, because of the references in particular, Miss Man and the, the, the way they play up Ray's homosexuality is like a joke. I, you know what? My immediate answer is no, because I feel like the Wayne's brothers have like, they have solidified themselves not only with their black comedy, but also their white comedy in terms of white chicks. And nobody wants to touch them. They're, they're, they're gems, you know? It's like nobody gets upset about them. Like, we joke about it. We're like, oh, well, there's this movie about white girls, you know, blah, 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 because it is the stereotypical white girl. And white people don't get upset about it. They love the movie. Um, so it really they kind of bring people together. So if it were anyone else making this film, yes, but because it's the Waynes brothers, they get, they get the black pass. I I just wonder if they would like I I I know that the time they definitely did because I mean everybody loved them and you know yeah. comedy was willing to go to whatever to achieve the effect back then which was great but I feel like we've almost hit a point where there's so much seriousness with that that particular 
I mean, the alphabet people, I mean, we're just going to yeah. throw it out there that they, they, they will not allow any ill light to be shown on like their community. Even if it's like in, on, in fun, no malicious intent and, you know, put out there because like, they're so serious about, they've got to, they're, you know, like, they feel like that they've got so much left to achieve to get equality or whatever, that they can't take any risk with any jokes right now that they have to be like on point and everything has to be, you know, like in the best light. And yeah. I just, I, I wonder if that would like hold a movie like this back now because of that reason. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There will be attempts to cancel <laughs> it for sure. Just like there's been attempts to cancel Chappelle's show or any of his comedy, things oh, like that. True, yeah. You know, attempts are definitely going to be made. Will they be successful? Absolutely not. And I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. So here's the deal. You can enjoy getting made fun of by the rest of us and recognize that, hey, maybe that is a little bit of what you're acting like. Because I recognize in Hispanic comedy stereotypes and I'm like, that is so fucking true. And I get the biggest laugh out of it because it's like, I relate to that. So... You know, you can either get a good laugh about it or you can fucking die mad. I don't care. Well, that's the thing because somebody pointed out, and I don't remember which comedian it was, but it said if you really want true equality, you've got to be willing to laugh at your own yeah. self because you're you're no longer equal to everybody else if you're excluding yourself from the conversation that way or if you – you know, if, if you refuse to let, you know, like anybody even make those comments, then you're setting yourself up in a different position, uh, in a lot of cases above everybody else, because you're untouchable, you know, like yeah. you're not, you're not making yourself one of the rest of the crowd that way. It's a sad uh, day if you can't laugh at yourself. I mean, what kind of life are you living if you can't laugh at any kind of mishap or like I said, stereotype or anything, you know? And then on top of that, as long as you're not being dragged down by it, like uh, it's, there's a point, there's a fine line between bull, actual bullying, you know, and comedy. So yeah. I get that. But if you can't laugh at yourself, at least let me laugh at you for you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, be open. I mean, if you, if it's still too much of a issue that too traumatic in whatever way it's, it's allowing others to, the enjoyment of it, uh, you know, without, you know, trying to shut them down and, you know, to keep them from, you know, enjoying the, the comedy as it were is, I mean, that that's a better representation of somebody who's, who's got a good head on their shoulders and, and, you know, wise enough to realize that, you know, you, you've got to at least laugh at some of these things every once in a yeah. while. Well, and here's the thing, the term horror comedy, not including any supernatural type of horror. When we're talking about actual horror comedy, maybe like a horror docuseries, we're talking about, People getting killed by a serial killer. That is a real life thing. There's victims that might not think that that's funny, you know, and they're not trying to cancel, you know, slasher films like that offends me because I actually was slashed before, you know, maybe they just don't watch it. Maybe it's just not for them because they're like, fuck, that's something I lived and I just don't find it funny. But I don't see them marching out on the streets like, hey, I was almost killed. I don't like this, you know. It, it brings up an issue that I didn't, I was going to originally put in the cold open, but uh, I can just discuss here because it kind of fits this actual conversation better is that there's a new movie coming out. Uh, Rue Morgue is behind it. At least they're promoting it. I don't know if they've got like some kind of production side of it. I'm sure they do. Rue Morgue is like a horror magazine from back in the day. Like they've, you know, when magazines stopped really, you know, I think they still make one. They came back out with one years later, but it's also more digital now, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But it's called Pound Cake, and it's a new slasher movie that's coming out. 
and the killer is like this big like you know buffed up brutal looking guy with like you know this like metal mask on you know and he's going around killing straight white males <laughs> and i mean the concept sounds interesting i mean it's you know it's uh you know it's a it's a twist on the genre but the, here's the problem with it the way they portray it and the reason i've got issues with it because it misses the comedy or it misses a lot of aspects of this whole genre in my opinion and in, in terms of mean being on it uh they the movie has the commentary in it and if they do it right, it could actually be a good commentary, and it might actually, and that might be the point of the movie. But they're not spinning it that way from Rue Morgue. So the the commentary is is that every, there, it's going on in New York. There's all these straight white men that are dying, and there's the and it, it goes around following these podcasters uh, talking about the the situation. Some of them are worried about the killer, which makes sense. Some of them are laughing at the situation because they think it's funny that straight white men are dying, which I feels like super mean turn yeah and the the last one is that some people are making the argument that it's uh, appropriate that they're dying because uh, now they get to experience what it's like to be uh, marginalized like everybody else and so i've heard the spin from the director saying that his comment is that or and uh, the point of the movie is that the more that the people get in on the negativity that's surrounding the killer uh, and, and, you know, saying that this is a good thing that these white men are dying, uh, the stronger the killer gets. So unless everybody comes together and, you know, actually, you know, has empathy and for the situation and all that, then the killer is going to be unstoppable. That actually could make a good point about today's society, you know, about how people are, you know, uh, I mean, so willing to make, you know, like, I mean, they're not willing to come together. They're wanting to make like boogeyman and like, you know, marginalize, you know, certain people, you know, straight white men in this case, you know, because they feel like that that's vengeance for what has happened in the past. And that's not the way for us to, and it could be a commentary. That's not the way for us to move as a society that we need to come together and and just be better people to each other, which would be a good, good comment actually. But I mean, the way Rue Morgue has been spinning it in their productions, because I've been seeing this on Facebook, is they've been emphasizing the fact that you know, like it, you know, these the the whole thing about the laughing about it and all that stuff that it, you know, it's it's time for a straight white male to die because women have always been the ones in the movies that have been killed, and and I'm just like that's missing the point entirely of a of slasher movies because it always shows that the female is being empowered you know, like yeah. toward the end of the movie, she's, I mean, that, that gets into our next movie we'll discuss, but she's taking on the trauma and, you know, and then using uh, like her own internal strength against the killer. And in this movie, you're just, and, and nobody ever makes fun of the final girl. That's the other thing. I mean, there's nobody in the right mind that's sitting there laughing at like, you know, Sydney Prescott, you know, uh, Lori Strode, nobody's sitting there making fun of them. It's like, Oh, look at that stupid bitch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's and it's like to take the turn and say, oh, it's another white guy dying. He deserved it, fucking piece. Of shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's uh, that's the part that gets me about it. Well, and um, first off, people, uh, black people weren't even in like scary movies at first. It was mostly white people dying. So there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and there is a there is a movie that's coming out, and I find this hilarious, and I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up for a future podcast. But it's an all black cast. And the whole comment is like, you know, uh, which of us is going to die first? Because, you know, that's the whole joke in black movies that the black person always dies first. But if the cast is all black, then, you know. Oh, yeah, that one that's coming. Are you going to watch that? That actually looks pretty good. 
Uh, I probably will. Like, yeah. I, I, I think that's a good commentary. They um, can't all die. <laughs> we can't all die. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, but I just found that, that whole description of pound cake to be like, it's a, it's, it, if it, if the director doesn't make the overall comment by the end of the movie that the hate is, you know, making the killer stronger and that we should do away with that, which is a good message actually. And it goes along with what Rue Morgue is promoting and it's more of that division. Then I think it's, it's, I don't see the point in that movie existing, to be honest. But Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what people are trying to achieve or, I don't know. Like, I want to be represented more in horror films, meaning I want to be killed more in horror films. It's an honor. Like, what the hell? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, they're, they're commenting about now finally men are getting their due, but... We've seen in slasher movies, it's always the straight white male that gets killed in a slasher movie. It it, it never fails. I mean, that's the you the final girl is the survivor, not yeah. not the male. But you know, and and that's the other thing I saw. I'm like, what point are you making? Like, it's always the guy that dies. Like, you know, um, and just the fact that he's hunting the, the because a lot of these killers don't necessarily hunt the women more. I mean, none of the slashers we've covered have specifically hunted women over men. It's equal opportunity. If you're, yeah. if you're in their way, they'll, they'll take you out. Um, and I, and I don't, I just don't understand that point that Rue Moore is making in particular. It's like, what, what movies have you been watching? I mean, yes, there are serial killers that were misogynistic went after women. Okay. Fair. But not in slashers. It's it's generally, you know, anybody who's in the general area of the slasher that gets taken out. Yeah, and don't take away. I mean, like we've already talked about Barbarian. Don't talk about, don't take away from the progress we are making. You know, we do have, you know, a female, a female and, well, well I guess she's female because she's the final girl, but a black, you know, final girl um, who makes actually dumb decisions, but you know, gets by just on whatever wit she has, you know, and it's like, we okay, so, and that wasn't a film that was made to throw that in your face at all, and we love the film, because nobody went out and been like, well, she had to, blah, 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 like, no set rules were, there weren't any general rules in this film, but she just happened to be, you know, I, I, I guess it made sense because of the area that she was going in, you know. The only comment that they, that they make in that movie, which is actually, you know, it's actually toward the other side a little bit is the fact that they allow her to be vulnerable. They allow her to be vulnerable in the sense that she doesn't make the smartest decisions. Cause yeah. I mean, the tendency now is to make the, the rays of the world, you know, they're super smart. They can never make mistakes. They're all powerful. They never have to train to earn their powers, you know, or their, you know, or their skills. Like they went the opposite route. She, she shouldn't have been there. She should have made the wise decision to skip that B and B whenever it was already preoccupied. Yeah. But you know, because she was, you know, one of those, I'm not going to let anything, you know, she was too prideful in her own, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a woman, hear me roar type things. It actually got her into trouble in a sense. You yeah. Know? And, and then Skarsgård is a good foil to her because he's straight white male that, you know, that you would think would be the bad, but he's actually one of the, I mean, he's, he's got good intentions in the movie. So oh, yeah. it was actually well represented across the board. Mm -hmm. Even though it didn't appear that way, they, they did an amazing job. If you want to catch that but, review, we've reviewed that. So, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just, I just, I heard the thing about pound cake and I'm just like, that sounds like a, 
way for you know that community to kind of get their vengeance in a roundabout sense and it's mean and it, it kind of under undermines like the whole point of a slasher movie which we'll get into when we discuss leslie vernon here in just a second because that movie emphasizes why it's always a female and it's more about the you know showing yeah. the empowerment of the woman you know in these movies than it is to like show that they're weak or anything like that so yeah uh, anything else you want to say about Scary Movie before we move on? Um, this is an amazing movie, and I will watch it over and over. Uh, if it's on TV, I'm going to watch it. Uh, if somebody puts it on, I'm going to watch it. If it's on and I'm going to sleep, I'm going to watch it. It's um, a good movie. It is a good it movie. Is a did great an movie, job. and I don't know which I like better, it or part two, because I yeah. love the I love Chris Elliott in that one with the grandma strong hand, you know, like <laughs> th- that whole thing. Uh, yeah, he 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 wasn't even in any. As far as I know, he's not a character from any other actual scary film. Uh, he was created for scary movie, and he is an icon. Yeah, it's it's great. So thumbs up. Definitely re, uh, uh, just a, a super rewatch. Also, I mean, I don't know if it'll still be on sale around the time people listen to this, but you can buy the first three films on Blu-ray for like 10 bucks right now from Amazon. Holy Damn shit. Damn good deal. Damn. <laughs> can you rent it for that much? Damn, not rent it, but uh, fucking own it digitally. Probably not. Probably not. Not for that cheap. No. So open up your morning light and say a little prayer for I. You know that if we are to stay alive and see the peace in every eye. One was three. 